Let's just pray together. Our gracious, loving God, we just ask that, that you open up your word found in the Bible, that we may hear it afresh and anew again. May your Holy Spirit be upon us now. May your Holy Spirit open our minds and our hearts to your word. May we hear them for ourselves. And may you guide the words and the thoughts that I'm to say today. Amen. Now, <clears throat> we're going to be uh, looking at a new series from now in February, asking the question, who am I? And today we're going to be wrestling and grappling with the, the concept of identity. Who am I? What is my identity? You know, in, a, in Australia, we've just had yesterday, Australia Day. And I kind of ask the question, who are we? When we start thinking on that, celebrations, some people, and I don't want to get political, I don't want to get controversial, I don't want people to be upset by me saying this, some people don't like Australia Day on the 26th of January. Other people think, what's the problem? Some parts of the country think it's okay, other people don't. There's a question of, as a country, who are we? And it's a question I think over time, and actually with some work and, and effort, we'll actually be able to answer that. People come up with ideas, but it got me thinking. It got me asking the question, who are we? Who are we as individuals here? I, don't, I want to come from the Australia Day thing all the way back into who are we? What is your identity? How do you identify? Who are you? How do you explain yourself to others? You know, how we actually answer this question, who are you? When somebody goes, oh, Simon, what do you do? Who are you? Explain yourself to me. You know, it's actually a question that reveals some really deep things inside us. Whether we actually understand ourselves or whether we're just taking on what the world places upon us. David Banner, a psychologist and author of the book The Gift of Being Yourself, defines identity as who we experience ourselves to be. The I each of us carries within us. Often we feel the pressure to define ourselves through our jobs, through our financial status, through our successes, through the grades that we do at school, through our appearance, um, what other people say about us. There are many, many different ways that we define who we are. But what happens to our identity when the experiences, the things around us, fail? Say you've defined your identity in the job that you have, and suddenly you've been retrenched. Who are you? Say you've got to that age in life that is called the midlife. Apparently I'm around there. There are so many people that go through midlife and have the crisis, don't they? What they do, what really is happening is they're asking, who am I? What have I been doing all my life and is that really who I am? 
And suddenly there's this midlife crisis and they go and buy a Harley and grow their hair or do whatever. Now, I'm not buying a Harley and I'm not growing my hair, so that's okay. I did get a tattoo, though. <laughs> Maybe that's my midlife crisis, isn't it? You got married. <laughs> midlife crisis. But we all, you know, say things change. Who do we are? What, what is our foundation for our identity? Is it the things that have been going on around us? Is it the hustle and bustle around us? Is it what the world is saying that we should be doing? You know, there is this worldview around our identity, and I just want to put it this way, that our behaviour determines who we are. Our behaviour determines our identity. That's the worldly view of things. Let me start putting it in and giving some flesh on this. You know, um, the world would say, based on your occupation, that's who you are. Maybe based on your hobbies. How many people have got a hobby? You know, it might be running, and that, therefore you can classify yourself as a runner. It might be that you're, you're into video games. And what does that make you? Apart from a teenager. Um, uh, there, there, there are other people other than teenagers that play video games. They, they're called gamers. Well, those who knit, what are they called? Knitters, that's right. And so you go, well, I'm a knitter. Well, actually, I'm not, but that's okay. Um, but see, the thing is, people identify themselves by these things that they do, hobbies and jobs, you know. I, I'm, I'm a pastor. But it's interesting, you know, if I say that to people, often I'll get the question, well, what did you do beforehand? <laughs> you know, it's, it's actually a really interesting question when you start to actually unpack it because they're saying to me, I actually don't value what you are. They're saying, I value what you were before and tell me something that you did beforehand that I can actually get some value out. So, you know, if you, if you happen to come up to me and go, you know, and I say, oh, well, I'm a pastor of a church, they say, well, what did you do before that? Now you know what I'm thinking. I'm thinking you actually don't value me being a pastor and being a church person. They, they, they go, um, oh, what did you do beforehand? Well, I was a research scientist. They go, oh, that was interesting. Now, no questions about what I do now, but about what I did beforehand. And so they're placed to value judgment, see external worldview upon you. See, some people also, you know, identify themselves in the things that have happened to them, whether it is a disease, medical condition, whatever it might be. You know, you might have um, allergies, so you might define yourselves around your allergies that you have. You might be having cancer and you might be saying, I'm a cancer survivor. And these are great things to be able to say, those kind of things. But they're still an external definition of who you are, aren't they? And then there's the world that also looks at you. If you've ever done anything wrong, you've broken the law, well, you're a, what? You're a criminal. And I'm defining that for you. Or you might be addicted to drugs, you're a druggie, you know, and we, we define those. And they're external things on your behaviours. The behaviour has defined your identity. But that's not what really it is. Now, no matter which way you slice it, when it's the outside defining who we are on the inside, that be, that's really showing us a, a dysfunctional person. And see, the world, through social media and mainstream media and all these are wanting to see our identity grounded in our external behaviours. 
who we are on the external things. Our identity and our self-worth are all wrapped up in this external persona that we're putting on. This is well and good when everything's going well, isn't it? You know, so, say, say you've got... A, um, Instagram's a social media photo kind of sharing thing. And some people make a huge amount of money out of posting pictures of themselves. But what happens when they post something that people don't like and all their followers leave and their sponsors go? Say you're a sports star, let's move into another realm, and you're playing and you do something wrong and suddenly all your sponsors leave. You, your de definition of who you are and your activities have all been crumbled because of external things. So that actually asks us a serious question. How do we say, who am I? What do we base our identity on? These external behaviours that actually leads us to basically an unstable identity. Now, what we actually do is we look and we need to, for ourselves, see how God sees us. Look through the lens of God's eyes. First of all, we must know how God actually sees us. And one of the richest passages that we have on, on about our identity in the Bible is found in Ephesians um, chapter 1, verses 3 through to 14. I'm just going to put verses 3 and 4 up for us so that we can just hear this for ourselves. All praise to God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessings. So God has blessed us with every spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. So we're actually united with Christ. We've been given blessings from God from all the heavenly realms and we've been reunited with Jesus Christ even before he made the world. God loved us. That is the lens. That is what God sees in us. He loves each and every one of you and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. So through Jesus Christ, God looks at you and sees you wonderfully, beautifully, that you're without fault, that you are perfect. That is who God sees us to be. Is you are forgiven, you are redeemed, you are, have grace upon you. Unconditionally loved, accepted, pure and blameless. These are the words that God has for you. He sees inside of us. And we receive the hope and the joy of spending all eternity with our Lord and our Saviour. See, what happens is for us to actually truly know who we are, we need not to have that worldly view of behaviour determines our identity, but we need to have a flipped version of that, which is our identity in Christ determines our behaviour. That is who we are. It's not the actions that we do, it's what God sees in us. It's who we are. So if God sees us in this way that we are wonderfully and beautifully made, then shouldn't our identity actually be founded in what God sees in us? See, when we become believers, when we actually listen to what 
the message of the Bible says, what God is saying to us, we actually start to follow Jesus Christ. And there's a, there's a beautiful word that the early church used for themselves. They, they didn't really call themselves Christians. They called themselves the people of the way. In other words, their identity was in Christ, but their behaviour started coming out and following the way of Jesus Christ. They didn't do things to become. They were redeemed, forgiven, and they start, their behaviour changed because of that. Now, what, what I want to say to you now is that we had our passage read from 2 Corinthians um, chapter 5, and I want, to, I want you to go and actually reread that again for yourself. But I want to just pull out verse 17 for you. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ, notice this, anyone who belongs to Christ, who's, who's, who's said, Lord, forgive me, I want you to be my saviour, who's actually accepted Jesus Christ in their lives, anybody that's done that has become what a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. That's because your identity is found in Christ and your old life is gone and a new life is coming. It's starting to be shown in the external behaviours that we have. Our identity changes because we become believers because, as Paul says, we become entirely new creatures in Christ. It's because the love of God is found within us. And this truth is so profound and impactful in our lives that is foundational for everything that we do in the entire church and ministry that we have. That God loves us and changes us. Our identity is found in Jesus Christ. And it actually starts to determine and cause our behaviour to change because of that. It turns us around. We're turning the whole worldly idea of identity on its head. Because it's not about what we do, it's about who we are in Christ. Well and good, but that, that's easy to do. It's a, it's a thought thing. You can start to have that in your head as thoughts, can't you? But see, the problem is that intellectually knowing and actually being putting it into practice can be problematic for people. I know it's problematic for me because you, you can say things in your head and you can go, yeah, 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 but it doesn't always play out, does it? And let, let me tell you why. Because sometimes we believe what the world is telling us, that you're not good enough, that you don't have as many Instagram followers, you don't have the greatest job, that you don't have the best car, you don't have this, just buy more, just do more, just get another degree, just be, do better marks, whatever it may be, just get higher levels in the ranking in your game. You know, whatever it might be, they keep on telling you you're never quite good enough. And so what happens is we start believing the lies and not accepting the truth. And so there's obstacles to faith. And these obstacles to this are these things. We start thinking ourselves as being rejected instead of being accepted by Christ. We start actually thinking that we're in bondage to the things that the world view instead of being redeemed by the love of God through Christ. We start thinking that we're under the law and so that, you know, the law leads to death. Instead, we are saved by, by grace, by the grace of God. See, when we start thinking of those things, 
we actually have got this intellectual disconnect. Our life starts keeping on working on the framework that we're rejected rather than accepted and we need to get those together. We need to let the, the actual come together and actually show us that we are truly accepted, that we are truly loved and redeemed, that we have been saved by grace and that we have, you know, we, we, we're not this orphan person floundering in the world but that you are adopted into the family of God. This is important for us. This helps us understand who we are. This is our identity. See, living out those, those identities that the world gives us instead of the identity that God has given you affects our behaviour, affects who we are. And we often go into, we must do, we must be, we, instead of letting God's love just flow through us. See, God's redeeming work on the cross means that we have a new identity in Christ. And this new identity, it matters. It's really important. Now, I normally don't come to church up preaching wearing a T-shirt. It's not my normal behaviour, but, you know, last year, late last year, I found this shirt and I thought, I have to have that. Famous enough. Because it's actually really important. It's a really important statement for me and I think it's actually a really important statement for all of us. And it's interesting because, you know, and I'll tell you a bit more about why that's important, but it's interesting because, you know, I've worn it a couple of times going out and doing the grocery shopping. And you know when you're standing at the checkout, you can either be silent and just wait for them to scan everything through, or often what happens is they'll go, famous enough. Because they're standing there and they're reading, and they ask me the question, what does it mean? Why are you wearing that shirt? And it's actually a really good question. Why am I wearing that shirt? Because the world keeps on telling you that you are not famous enough. The world keeps on saying that your identity needs to have more. You need to get better. You need to get more. God is saying that you are famous enough already, that you are wonderful, that you are beautiful. You do not need to keep on striving to get more likes. You don't have to keep on striving to get other people's opinions to think that you're better. You are famous in God's eyes and you don't need to have anything else. You just bring yourself. I think that is so important for us. And it's a good reminder for myself as well that I too need to realise that I am just good enough in God's eyes. I am famous enough in God's eyes. And the internal starts to actually change our external behaviours. When we start to realise that we are famous in God's eyes, then our life will start to change as well. We don't keep on striving for other people's approvals because we are looking for the love of God in our life. See, the problem is within the world, negative things, negative ideas keep on accumulating and piling upon us. But when you have Christ as your centre, 
those slide off because Christ will make you clean. Unfortunately, all too often, too many believers don't understand that they actually have a new identity in Christ. Too many think that they are just sinners, that they are just sinners saved by grace, and they keep on working on the fact that they are just sinners. The thing is, you actually need to know that you were sinners. When you actually do take on God's love and God's image of yourself, your behaviour changes, doesn't it? Notice the past tense of sinners that you are redeemed, that you are made whole. You don't need to keep on staying back and saying, I am a sinner. You may actually say, I was a sinner, but now I am being made free. God has done that for us. Our identity isn't the fact that we are a sinner, but we are redeemed. The old behaviour is gone and the new is coming. See, we need to view ourselves as God sees you. And this matters. For when God sees you as beautifully and wonderfully made, your life will change. We need to see that and need to see that it matters. And it matters in the world because when our identity starts being founded in God, then our behaviour starts changing and our world starts changing because our behaviour has changed. Those around us get influenced by what we do. They see, they ask the question, why? Why is your life changed? And you can stand up and say, because my identity is found in God. My life has changed because of this. It gives us the opportunity to experience and express God's unconditional love for us in fresh and new ways. It gives us the confidence to boldly share God's love with other people. It helps us in the battles that we have in life. And let's be honest, we have battles in life, don't we? We have times when we doubt ourselves. We have times when outside things cause us pain. We have times when we struggle with our own body. But it gives us the certainty and a surety that you are known and wonderfully made, that you are famous enough in God's eyes. It's a battle that you will engage in but it's a battle that you know that God has already overcome within you. So how would believing the truth of your identity founded in God, in Christ Jesus, change the way you live today? That is the question I want to leave with you today. So let us just, let me say that again for you. How is believing in the truth about your identity that is found in God, in Jesus Christ, how is that going to change your life that you live? So let's just pray. Gracious, loving God, it is so easy to be caught up in what the world says about us. It's so easy to be caught up in the images and expectation that the world says it's success. 
Lord, help us to realise that our identity is found within you. Help us to realise that our identity is found in the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Help us to realise that if we have been a sinner, that we have done things that have been against your plans, that we may have done things that have been terrible and wrong, that when we ask Christ into our lives, that God doesn't look at the sins, but looks at Jesus upon us and sees him in you. May we accept this, that the truth of our lives, that God's love is there for us and we are accepted, redeemed, saved by the grace and adopted by God. Help us to take upon this new identity as God sees us. Lord God, if there's anybody that is struggling with what it means to be a Christian, what it means to accept you, Lord, I ask that you just be upon them now, that your Holy Spirit may, may open their minds and their hearts so they can accept your word, that they are wonderful, that they are beautiful, and that they are your child. Oh Lord, we pray this in the power and the hope of the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. Amen.